The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to this very special, very topical edition of Build Your Tribe. Today, we're going to talk all about, well, that thing that has been showing up over and over and over again in your inbox, which is people's updated privacy policies. I'm sure you've been getting these emails lately, or maybe you've been getting notifications from people who you've subscribed to their newsletter, opted in for one of their freemiums, and now they're sending you emails suggesting that you need to opt in again. These are the GDPR guidelines, and you, as an online entrepreneur, need to know how to be in compliance. Today, that and more on Build Your Tribe. And today's edition of Build Your Tribe is brought to you by the Smart Life Push Journal. Now listen. I know you. I get you. We have very similar personality types. I'll just bet that you are goal-oriented. You like to get a lot of things done. You're more organized than most people, yet you always feel like you could do better. You, my friend, need a Smart Life Push Journal. If you haven't already checked them out, please do. I've designed them for people like us, people who don't have time to spend with a journal that feels like a crafting project. You know what you need to do? You just need to stay focused and on task. And you'd also like a place to kind of keep track of the things that affect your productivity, like sleep, like food, like your workouts. And if you aren't doing those things, you need to be, because I know you want to be a badass business owner. And in order for that to happen, you've got to get your food and your sleep and your nutrition right at the same time. The Smart Life Push Journal puts all of that in the palm of your hand. Productivity apps are awesome. But our phones have become white noise. When we take pen to paper, it's like sending a direct message to the universe and things get done. It's a game changer. So I encourage you to check it out and to get yours today by going to smartlifepushjournal.com. Hey there, welcome to Build Your Tribe. My name is Shaleen Johnson. And my name is Brock Johnson. My mission is to share with you everything I've learned from my 25 years in business, from idea inception to big business marketing strategies. And my goal is to share with you social media money-making strategies to help you transform your idea into passive income, even when you have limited time and a tight budget. My guest today is Autumn Witt. She's an experienced lawyer who's ambitious and creative, and she's got tons of experience helping entrepreneurs just like you to protect your most valuable assets, your intellectual property rights, your creative ideas. And we're really lucky to have her today because her experience is with online and e-commerce companies just like us. And what she's going to do is help us understand how to be in compliance with these new regulations, but also to help you understand how to make the right decision for your business. Because let's face it, every single email address is like gold. We don't want to lose any of the people who are on our list And Autumn is going to help us wade through some of the confusion and make sure that we're in compliance. And be sure to check out her podcast, The Legal Roadmap. All right, let's go get Autumn. 
Autumn Whit Boyd. It is so great to have you today. Thank you so much for being here on Build Your Tribe. Thanks, Shalene. I'm so excited to talk about all things legal and especially this new GDPR regulation. So crazy. So I just want to let our listeners know that you and I were scheduled today to talk about all things that a new entrepreneur or even a an established entrepreneur might need to know with regard to copyrights and trademarks and domains and ownerships of content, etc. And then we started chatting and, you know, you had mentioned uh, this GDPR, which was so crazy because all morning long, my inbox has just been flooded with people sending me notifications that their privacy policy has changed. And I'm like, what is all of this? Can you break it down for us? Yes. So this is a new regulation and it only applies in the European Union. So it's not actually a United States regulation. I know most of your listeners are in the United States and I'm a United States lawyer, but it will affect United States businesses. So that's why you're getting all of these notifications about privacy policies and different things. It is intended to give EU citizens and residents more control over their data. So when you sign up for something, maybe you provide your name and your email address, or if you're using Facebook, of course, you're providing tons of data that is living on Facebook's computers. So GDPR is intended to give you more control over how other people use your personal information. And it has all these new rules for businesses who handle anyone's information. So that's kind of the background of what's going on. When you say it it doesn't affect us yet, why is it that almost everyone that I'm receiving notifications from are U.S.-based businesses? Yeah. So if a U.S.-based business touches an EU resident, it will affect them. I see. So in other words, if there might be people on your email list or who have maybe provided their information to your domain or your business, and they are um, not in the United States, but in the United Kingdom, then we need to be aware of this and we need to be in compliance. Yes. Excellent. Okay. So then it does affect most people because I, I mean, you don't have to have a very big business to reach people outside of the United States pretty quickly. Exactly. Especially if you're like us running an online or an e-commerce business, you're going to touch a lot of people in the EU and the UK. Now, is this a email situation? I mean, tell us what GDPR stands for, by the way. Yes. So it is the European Union's General Data Protection Regulation. So that's GDPR. It is not just about email, although email marketing is certainly a part of it. It has many, many tentacles. It's like an octopus. Every time you think you've got your arm around one, you find another one. It covers all of the different kinds of ways that you might use data in your business. So it affects if you're using an opt-in or a freebie, you know, whatever you want to call it. If you've got a form on your website where you ask for people to give you their email address so that you can send them something, it will affect some of that. It also affects your website if you use cookies. So that's mm-hmm. um, the Facebook ad pixel or Google Analytics are two really popular cookies mm-hmm. that a lot of us are using. Mm-hmm. Um, it also is going to affect just even if you're sending someone's data to a credit card processor or you're using ah. a, a third party app like SurveyMonkey to gather information from people. It really um, if you are an online business using a lot of online tools to handle other people's information, it's going to have an effect on you. Okay. What do we need to do in order to be in compliance? Yeah. So a couple of recommendations. The first thing that I want people to just kind of do an audit of their business and look at 
what apps are you using in your business? Maybe you can pull out your credit card statement, look at all those recurring payments that we're all making every month. That's a good um, suggestion, actually, because some, we forget. you totally forget, you know, and it's a good suggestion, not from a, just a legal standpoint, but from a financial standpoint. I know myself, there's so many things I've signed up for thinking, yeah, I'll cancel it after month one. And here it is two years later. Right. <laughs> So just looking at your business and what kinds of apps and other technology are you using? Do you have plugins on your website maybe that handle other people's data? Um, are you, if you're doing one-on-one services with clients, are you using a service like 17 Hats that, you know, does onboarding and sends intake forms? All of those kinds of things. You just need to really look at your whole business and how you're handling other people's data. So that's the first step, just kind of making a list. And then secondly, you need to check and make sure that all of those vendors are GDPR compliant. And that's just a simple wow. visit to their website. Because now if you're handling someone's data and you send it to one of these apps or vendors, you're responsible if there's a data breach and someone's social security number is now you know, posted on the internet. That's wow. our worst case scenario. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to make a list of any apps that may- we may be integrating in our business um, don't be afraid of this. Just make that quick list. Yeah. Use your credit card statement to double check that. Then probably our next step is to visit their domains and figure out if, in fact, they are in compliance. And how do we know that they are in compliance? You should be able to check their privacy policy. And most apps um, and vendors are posting things and sending you emails about how they're complying. So like all the emails you've been getting this week and I've been getting, they should be letting you know that they're taking the right steps. To find a privacy policy on most websites, I found that if you just scroll all the way to the bottom of their domain or if you click on the menu, you can find privacy as one of the links where you could read up on their privacy policy. And I guess ultimately, if you're not seeing what you're looking for, you send an email inquiry. Exactly. What do and we- I would be worried if they don't have a privacy policy because that's mm. a new requirement. Nice. It's kind of a tip off that maybe they're not complying. So if I'm a new entrepreneur and I um, have just built my own domain, do I need a privacy policy statement on my own domain? Yes. If you're potentially handling any EU information. Which I believe we just have to assume that we're going to unless we've Limited. Yeah, I think so. There's there's some rules about, you know, if you try to use an IP address or use other technology to to filter out people who are in the EU, um, that it, that in itself can violate the GDPR. So that's not really recommended. And then it's also just not very accurate. Mm. I think we all know that people bounce IP addresses. And so you're not getting a true picture of who is visiting your website when you're trying to filter out that way. So I I agree. I think we all have to presume that we've got EU visitors and we've got to just kind of treat everybody as if they could be. Autumn, do you suggest that even the new startup entrepreneur consult with an attorney such as yourself to create that privacy policy or are there templates? Yeah, no, that is definitely something that you can use a template. And even more advanced businesses can probably get away with a template. Okay. Um, And I have templates on my website at awbfirm.com. Oh, can you give us that? domain again? Absolutely. Yep. It's just my initials. It's awbfirm.com. A-W-B as in boy, firm.com. And we have templates there for privacy policies? And yes, lots of other things. Client services contract, website, terms of use, all kinds of templates. Wow. What a great resource. Thank you for sharing that with the audience. I'm sure there'll Absolutely. be plenty of people jumping on that. Okay. So now let's break this down. Um, we find out that all the apps that we're interfacing in, into our business are, in fact, uh, GDPR compliant. What do we need now to do so that we're in compliance? 
Right. So there's two big areas that I think most of us are going to need to make some small changes. So don't freak out, but there mm-hmm. are some changes. Um, the first one is those opt-in forms that we're all using to collect people's email address to send them something to get them onto our email list. Mm-hmm. The GDPR now has new rules that you have to get what's called affirmative consent. So that means you are going to need to tell people exactly what they're signing up for and get them to say, yes, I want to sign up for this. So we can't do any more bait and switch where you say, give me your email and I'll send you this great checklist. And then you now are sending them tons of marketing emails. Hmm. If you're going to put them on your list, you have to tell them that. Hmm. How exactly does that need to be done? So for example, most sites where we're opting in, I see that they offer a newsletter or it says, you know, for updates and occasional emails and I give them my email address. Have they done enough to inform me by simply stating occasional emails? Yes, if that's what they're doing. Okay. So, yeah, so I have kind of three suggestions here and there there's other ways you could do this that are more complicated. But for most, especially new businesses, here are three ways to think about it. So the first one would be just tell people they're subscribing to a newsletter like you like you said. And I think we're going to have to get better at selling the value of our newsletter. Like, why does someone want to be on our newsletter list? Are they getting tips? Are they getting special articles that no one else gets? Are they getting early access to things? Are they getting special coupons? So I think um, the first option is just saying, you know, enter your email to sign up for my newsletter. And that is clearly okay. The second choice is to have a checkbox. So you can say, you know, enter your email here to get this great checklist. And then below that, you could say, um, have a checkbox and it has to be unchecked to start uh, that says, please also send me, like you said, um, occasional updates, marketing information, you know, information about new products or services, special discounts, whatever it is you're going to do. Okay. So that checkbox then takes care of it. And the third? The third is to use what we call a double opt-in. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be through your email service provider, like MailChimp or ConvertKit, MailerLite. There's lots of them. We all use different ones. And this is where um, someone would opt in to get the thing, get your freebie. So they'd give you their email address to get that checklist. And you have to send them the checklist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then either in that same email where you send the checklist or in a follow-up, you would then ask, would you like to join my newsletter list? Or would you like to receive further emails from me? And at that point, if they say yes, then you can add them to your marketing list. When I think of a double opt-in, I think of signing up for, again, like you had suggested, a checklist. I enter my email address. It usually has a notification that I need to check my inbox. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then I check my inbox and it confirms, I don't have delivery of the item yet. It just confirms that it was in fact me who signed up for it and that I you know, and, and confirming that it was me that entered my email address. The, mm-hmm. f- the following email includes whatever it was I was requesting. That's how I think of a, a double opt-in. Are you suggesting that the first email might in fact be delivery of the freemium and the second email might be like, uh, hey, would you like to receive more than just this? Yes, I think you can do it like you were saying at first or with an additional email. Okay, so just... To be perfectly clear, both ways will keep you in compliance. Well, the first way that you talked about where you, you know, you confirm, yes, I asked for this freemium and then you send it to them. That's fine, but you can't send them further emails after that point. You have to ask them yet, you know, to do something affirmative to say, yes, I want to receive more emails. 
that that piece is kind of a bummer, right? Because I know. <laughs> but so let's let's figure out: is there a workaround? Is there a legal workaround, Autumn? Could we, in that initial, hey, you gave me your email address, just confirming that this is you, and that in fact you would like to receive um, my checklist as well as occasional email updates, discounts, etc., where we kind of like put them together, but we are notifying them in that email. So there is a rule in GDPR about unbundling. So they really want to have a separate opportunity to say yes or no to each way that you're going to use someone's data. So each way that you're going to contact someone after you have their email address, you need to get their affirmative permission. Okay. So bundling that freemium with the email list is not okay. Now there is kind of a subtle workaround where you have to be kind of careful with this, but I think it will work where you say, the first thing you say is um, sign up to get my um, market emails or my newsletter or special offers or whatever. And you will also get this. Ah, that's great. Yeah. So that's it's kind great. of a subtle difference. But what they're really what they clearly see up front is they're signing up for your list. And then the, the incentive is the freemium. Hmm. Excellent. Okay. So it's the same thing. It's just much more transparent. They know what they're getting into. Yeah. Either way, it is a, a shift. And I think this is going, yeah, it's, it's going to have an impact on the way we do email marketing. I'm, I'm happy to see it, to be honest. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's going to lead to, you know, better emails, hopefully more engaged lists. I'm frankly hoping that, you know, everyone sees their, what we're paying to our email providers go down because our lists are going to shrink a little bit, but hopefully we'll <laughs> get more benefit out of the list. I, I mean, it's so difficult now today to get your email to land in someone's inbox. Mm-hmm. It, they, if you're in email marketing, if you're sending emails on a regular basis, they, so many of them just end up in people's spam. Yeah. So, so I really hope that people don't abuse the opportunity to label email as spam. I, I wish people would just unsub, just unsubscribe. Don't label right. it as spam if it's not spam. Next question is for, those of us, let's say, who want to stay in compliance with our existing email subscribers, what does that look like? So this is where it gets a little bit trickier. Um, if you were not doing this, either a double opt-in or a checkbox or telling people they're signing up for your newsletter before today, May 25th, 2018, you are going to need to now get that consent from everyone on your list who's in the EU to continue to market to them. So what what we're suggesting as a best practice is that you segment your list. So hopefully your email provider will have this data so that you can tell who's in the EU and who's not. So you're not going to lose your whole list, but that you segment those people out who are in the EU or who you can't tell where they are and you do a re-engagement campaign with them. So you ask them to to say, yes, I want to stay on your list. And if they don't, you really should be deleting them from your list. And if if you don't delete them, you're violating GDPR. Mm. And then, so what are the consequences of if, if, say, we were found to be in violation? So the fines are really huge. The potential fines, 20 million euros is the maximum fine or 4% of your revenues, whichever is higher. 4% of your revenues to EU residents or 4% of gross revenues? Gross revenues worldwide. Holy guacer moles. Are you yep. kidding? No. That's why this is such a huge shift and people are taking it really seriously. So, and how could we get busted for that? <laughs> <laughs> I think what will happen, well, first of all, if people are complaining about you, 
Mm. So there's now a way under GDPR that you can complain to government authorities. Let's say Shalene is spamming me. Mm-hmm. Please, please make her stop. Stop spamming. Um, <laughs> exactly. Or what I think may happen is we have a big data breach and people's social security numbers or credit card information or other, you know, health information is leaked by some hacker and they go down the rabbit hole and they find out where it started was you. And then you get, you know, bundled in with everybody else who touched that data. Well, let's just talk reality. I mean, <laughs> how, how likely, I mean, how freaked out should people be about this? Yeah, I wouldn't be freaked out, but I would take it seriously. Okay. So I think, you know, for any individual business, especially a new business or a small business, your risk is very low, but it's not nothing. It's unclear because it's literally just going into effect today as mm. we're talking. Mm. Uh, it's unclear how aggressive the governmental authorities in the EU are going to be. Well, that's interesting. It went into effect today, which we are recording this on May 25th, 2018. How much time are we given to rectify the situation? So you should be compliant today. That's really? the goal. Yes. These regulations came out a couple of years ago to give people time, but we're all just kind of starting to work on it in the last couple of months, or at least oh. that's what it has seemed in the online community. Yeah. So I think if you're not compliant today, don't freak out. Um, I want you to have a plan in place and be on your way to compliance. And I think as long as you're working in good faith towards making all these changes, you know, and you're, you make them fairly soon, mm-hmm. it's unlikely that anything is going to happen. You know, it's not a guarantee, mm-hmm. but I think we all just need to do our best. I picture these like little Keystone cop guys who are no, <laughs> like the email cops and they're probably driving, you know, those little smart cars with like an, e- an email icon on the top. And they're going to come over to your house with like, I don't know, tasers. And take away your computer. Exactly. And, your online business. <laughs> and all your money. And your smartphone. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So then I guess my next question is, did you, Autumn, send this? Uh, re-engagement email to a segment of your list or your entire list? That's a great question. So my assistant and I sat down a few weeks ago and looked through all of our systems. We did this whole audit, just like I was talking about. And she reminded me that we have been using double opt-in since day one. Mm -hmm. So we had already been getting, and our double opt-in said, yes, I want to subscribe to get your newsletter. So we had been getting the kind of consent that's required under GDPR. We were already kind of going above and beyond. So we didn't have to do that re-engagement campaign. Mm. Great. And your double opt-in was in compliance in that it must tell people uh, or be very upfront about the fact that they're going to receive other notifications or discounts, et cetera. Exactly. Okay. So, okay, let's say we have been using a double opt-in and we believe we're in compliance. Is there any need then to send this additional email? No, if you've been upfront, if you've been doing, you know, very transparent and telling people exactly what they're getting, then no, you don't have to do this re-engagement campaign. Your your list is in good shape. And do you have any suggestions on if we are doing a re-engagement campaign, what does it need to say le- from a legal standpoint? Yeah, legally, you just need to be really clear that you're asking them to receive whatever it is you're going to send them. So if it's marketing emails, if it's just information, if, you know, if you have a couple different things you do. Um, You just need to let them know. But I think you can have fun with it. You can sell the value of why people would want to stay on your list. Um, And I would suggest not just doing one email, but maybe doing a series of three or four or even six emails, because a lot of people are not going to open that first one. But maybe if they keep seeing it (laughs) and you use a catchy subject line to get their attention. So if they don't reply, what do we need to do with them? 
we need to delete them. Huh. So there should be through your email provider a way to tag the people who click, you know, the new yeah. resubscribe. And then you need to delete everyone from the EU or who you don't know where they are from the list. I like to offer the questions that I think my audience would be asking. And if I was just listening to this, I'd be like, okay, well, then I really need to make a decision. Do I want to, as in your example, you didn't send the email, so you don't have to delete anyone. Had right. you been hypervigilant and sent the email, then therefore you would be required to delete anyone who didn't reply? Well, if I hadn't been doing the double opt-in. So yes, to be in 100% compliance, yes, I should have deleted all the people who didn't respond if I had not gotten their consent. So I really think that's a very important distinction. I don't want to go too quickly over this because that's an important decision people have to make. If mm-hmm. if you are have been in compliance, you've been using a double opt-in and been transparent in what it is you've told people they're opting into and what they'll additionally receive. I would if I if I was advising someone who's in compliance, I would say don't send the email yes. that says um here's the new privacy policy because first of all, you as you said, you're going to have to send them countless emails in order to get them to open one, right? Cuz it's not a subject line that people are like, "Oh, look at this. I can't <laughs> wait. I, it's all about privacy." Right. So exciting. Yeah. So it's going to be difficult to have them open it. You're going to send them multiple emails. Each email you send increases your likelihood of an unsubscribe. Exactly. And all those people who simply don't click on it, don't open it, and may still want to receive your content, but don't want to read the and don't know anything about the fact that they're about to be deleted. So that's why I think your subject line needs to be pretty clear, especially as you know, if you're sending multiple say, if you want to stay on my list. Great. Open this email or, you know, do you want to keep receiving emails from me? Click here. I got one today that said, are we breaking up? (laughs) That's great. I love that one. Um, But I also received, you know, at least 50 in the last week that say privacy policy update. And I haven't opened up one of them. Now that I know this. That may literally be just a privacy policy update. That may not be trying to get you to resubscribe. Hmm. I would not suggest saying privacy policy update if you're trying to get someone to actually open it <laughs> since we're all being flooded with privacy policy updates. Can, what are you seeing in, in your e- subject lines? Yeah. So one that I saw that was really great was here's why uh, I want you to stay on my list or here's what I'm going to do if you stay on my list. You know, I think showing them there's going to be a benefit to you is really helpful. We all, I, I dare say that we almost have to tell them what, how important it is for them to to open the email if they want yes. to stay on the list. Yes. How do we convey that in a subject line? That's that's I the mean, trick. I've seen brackets with the word urgent in all caps. You can, I've seen some emojis like the explosion emoji. <laughs> yeah. I'm opening up my spam right now to see how, <laughs> so you'll have to bear with me because I want to see how, because now, I mean, this is interesting. I hadn't known this um, would affect people and, and it also affects you if this is someone who you want to continue to re- receive notifications from and you just don't even open up the email because you think it's a technical email, like one, one you don't need to reply to. Right. So I'm, and, and now I'm seeing one that says GDR compliance as a subject line, which I don't know that I would click on that because I don't know that the average person knows what that is. Right. Let's and see to what be else. clear, we're really only talking about sending these emails to people in the EU. So you and I shouldn't be getting these, Shalane, unless somebody can't tell where we are. How is it that somebody can't tell where, where, where we are? Does that mean that they're, you're, um, 
provider list doesn't look at IPs? Yeah, some of the providers don't provide that level of detail. And I think probably based on me going through my spam folder right now, looking at the names of people who've sent this to me, I would bet that a lot of these are from people who are trying to be extra careful Mm -hmm. and are sending it and didn't need to and maybe doing more damage than good. And I have heard some people say they're using this just as an opportunity to kind of clean their list. Hmm. Since there's a lot of this discussion and people are opening these emails, Hmm. they're sending them beyond what they maybe have to to comply with the law. I have to say, as I'm reading through my inbox, I am seeing very few that aren't labeling themselves as update to privacy policy. Mm hmm. Well, maybe you're not getting many of these asking you to resubscribe. Like, if okay, you open them, see. is that what they say? Yeah, I'm opening one right now to see. Yeah, our um, privacy policy has been updated to account for the GDPR in the EU and for our practices. These changes include providing more detail on how we use your information. Um, terms of use have been updated. This isn't asking me to opt in, though. So some of them may just be giving you an, a literal update, like you're saying. And those you can just ignore. Okay. I will say for, for small and micro businesses, the ones we you and I are working with, you are not going to need to send out an update. Our privacy policy is updated emails. These are mostly bigger companies. Okay. I, I'm looking for one where they've asked me, asked me to opt in again. Because that's what we would be seeing, you're saying, if we were in the EU. Yes. Interesting. Okay. And so if we are going to write this email, what does it need to say? It can, it's really up to you. I think it should have some information about what you're going to be sending. So what kinds of things do you typically include in the emails you send to your list? And then it needs to be really clear. There has to be a button or a link or something that they have to click on to stay on your list. It can't just be, if you don't do anything, I'm going to keep you on your list. It has to be, they have to take some action. Okay. And is there verbiage that we need to use specifically? Nope, there's no magic language. Is there magic language that needs to be included in our uh, privacy policy? Yes. Okay. It's a really good idea to either get a template or work with a lawyer one-on-one to make sure that you've got all the things you need. And again, you have those templates on your website, awbfirm.com. Yeah. Are there any other templates surrounding this same topic, GDPR, that people should be aware of? No, the privacy policy is really the biggest one. But I will say, I don't want to forget to talk about this. The other big change is if you're using cookies on your website, you're going to need to add a cookie banner or a cookie notice or a cookie pop-up. <laughs> <It's>, I know. <laughs> Come on, just let us do our... Th- <laughs> don't be mean, GDPR. Let us just do our thing. Okay, so now we have to uh, notify... And, and how... <laughs> I almost said, how sneaky can we be about that little banner? Because I know for me, when I show up on a website and I see that banner, it bugs me, even though we have it and every smart entrepreneur should have cookies installed on their website. So I think the ones that bug me are when a pop-up shows up. Because I'm like, how dare you watch what I'm doing, Zappos? Mind your own business. Okay, so... What are our options there? Does does Can it just be in our privacy policy or does it have to be when people show up at the site? Yeah, it has to be something visible and they have to do something affirmative to get past it. So either it has to be something they have to close out of or it has to say, you know, if you navigate beyond this page, you're agreeing. Um, but some of them can be pretty subtle. Like if you go to MailChimp, um, 
since this is a podcast, I can't show you images, but if you go to MailChimp's website, they've got a really subtle one down at the bottom and it is in the same color scheme as the rest of their website. I mean, it stands out, but it kind of matches and it's not obnoxious. Well, if it doesn't stand out then and and they need people have to close it, is that what you're saying or acknowledge it? It does stand out, but it's not like a flashing light (laughs) that hurts your eyes. And does, what if they don't click it? So it has to be set up so that you, to use the website, you have to do something affirmative. Huh. You can, if you have more advanced tech, I think most of us probably don't have this much advanced tech, but you you might, Shalene. Um, You know, you can set it up so that you could have a way to say, yes, I want to continue on this website, but no, I don't want you to use cookies on me. So there are, and again, there's lot, there's lots of plugins and things, or if you have a web developer, you can work on something custom, but there's several plugins and extensions that you can add to your website that are not expensive, that are not difficult to use. If you search for GDPR in the plugin store, you'll find lots of them. Okay. That was a great tip. I, I'm just thinking about my own usage in the last week, landing on sites where I'd ne- never seen that before. There was a pop-up and specifically the last one I went to, the pop-up came up and then I just kind of ignored it. I didn't click anything and I just went about my business on the site clicking on an adorable pair of shoes <laughs> and it just disappeared. Right. So they probably said something like, if you continue to use this site, you agree that we can ah. use cookies. So that's okay. Is there specific language that we need to use with regard to cookies? And if so, what do you suggest? Yeah, again, there's no magic language, but here's some suggested language. So something like, we use technologies such as cookies to customize content and advertising, to provide social media features and analyze traffic to our site. And then you also have to tell them if you're sending their information to anyone else, like Facebook or Google. So then you would also add, we also share information about your use of our site with our trusted social media, advertising, and analytics partners. And does this go in effect for all web users, not just EU? Yeah, because again, you can't really segment out EU visitors. Right. Effectively. So I think you've just got to put it up and treat everybody. And I will say, here's a little background or something to keep in the back of your mind. This change is happening in the EU, but it would not surprise me if this change happened in the US in the next couple of years. I would think so. I think, yeah, I think the trend is only going one direction and it's toward, it's this way. It's not the other way. Yeah. So I think, you know, by putting some of these things in, in use now, you're going to be ahead of the curve when the changes come to the U.S., which I think they probably will. Okay, excellent. Anything else that we need to be aware of? Yeah, so with this cookie banner or pop-up or whatever you do, it has to link to your privacy policy. Same thing now for your opt-in forms. They need to have a link to your privacy policy. Okay. Like like you said in the past, we've all just kind of linked it in the very footer of our page, the very bottom. But now it needs to be more visible. Got it. Super helpful. Thank you for keeping us clean. Yes. Keeping us um, from being tasered by the email police. That's right. And I will give one closing thought, which is, you know, I've outlined the best practices, what you should do if you want to comply and you want to be, you know, 100% on the right side of everything. Um, But it's a choice in your business of whether you want to comply with things like this or not. I mean, it's just like any other regulation. So you've got to look at your own ethics and your own way of doing business and decide, you know, weigh the risks and benefits and decide how you want to attack something like this. 
That's excellent. Well, Autumn, thank you so much for your wisdom on this. It's super topical, and I know this is going to help a lot, make sense of this for a lot of people. And we're excited to have you back. So be sure to look for a future episode from Autumn where we're going to come back to this and talk about domains and trademarks and copywriting and what you have the right to use and other people's photos and music and all that kind of great stuff. Thanks so much. Oh, by the way, Autumn, is that the best place for people to follow you or to learn more about you? Is on your website, awbfirm.com, or is there someplace else people can reach out to you? I do weekly Facebook Lives that have similar content to this, really current, topical, helpful legal info. How awesome. Thank you so much, Autumn. It was great to have you today. Thank you, Shalene.